Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson, I'm the founder of Stack, and this week's introduction comes to you from the train on the way up to Nottingham. I'm speaking to a bunch of students up there today, and I thought I'd grab the opportunity for a quick bit of podcasting along the way. We're going to be heading off to New York for this week's episode to speak to Mackenzie Peck, the founder of Math Magazine. But I should say up front that Math is an adult magazine. So this podcast has adult themes and adult language. And so if you are listening to this with children or you just don't really want to hear that sort of thing, it would be a good idea to switch off now. Okay, is that fair warning? Is that long enough? All right, so you're still with us. Math Magazine is described as the progressive porn quarterly. Mackenzie started this magazine last year and it's kind of her mission to show porn in a way that makes sense to her. She describes herself as the progressive queer Hugh Hefner and this interview I think is really really interesting. She was really open and disarmingly so speaking about her use of self-help books and being an only child and all sorts of other stuff that really gets to the heart of why she makes this magazine. This episode is sponsored by Park Communications. They are the London-based printer who were in New York with me in September when we put this together. Uh, So if you are thinking of making your own magazine, you should head off to parkcom.co.uk, that's parkcom.co.uk, to see what they can do to help you. But first, uh, stick along with us and hear me speak to Mackenzie Peck from Math Magazine. Okay, so I'm sitting here uh, on a street in Brooklyn with Mackenzie Peck, the editor and founder of Math Magazine. Hello. Hello, Mackenzie. Nice to see you. Thank you for having me. Um, so you sent me a copy of issue zero of Math just over a year ago, mm-hmm. and it caught my attention. Could you tell us a little bit about what the magazine is? Math magazine is a progressive porn quarterly. Right now, we are print only, and I'm really dedicated to. Uh, producing porn that people don't like to call porn Um, it's kind of an interesting problem they're like yeah but this is beautiful and this like shows real people it's not porn I'm like no it is but it's better Uh, that's what I'm pursuing and and what brought you to this in the first place where did this interest come from (laughs) Uh, the origin story uh, the fable I tell is that I was living in Baltimore I was at a house party where I didn't really know anybody. I came with a girlfriend who promptly bailed on me. (laughs) I was uh, inebriated, uh, I was a little drunk, a little stoned, and when I'm in that sort of mindset, I kind of zoom out and take on like the viewpoint of an artist where I'm looking for inspiration, I'm trying to capture experiences in a way and just find everything really beautiful. (laughs) And at one point in the night, uh, I saw this group of women uh, go upstairs uh, in this house. Uh, up to a bedroom and I'm like oh this is interesting (laughs) like I want to see what's going on there obviously (laughs) and they started to play dress up in a way that was um, charming um, sexy uh, non-competitive 
just beautiful. And my thought was that I wanted to live in that kind of environment as much as I possibly could. Next thought was I will start a porn magazine. <laughs> I don't know. I grew up with a lot of magazines around, so maybe that has to do with it. Um, I still sort of worship Vogue uh, and like the New York Times, just like a holdover from my childhood and seeing those things around. And uh, I think that the piecemeal effect of putting a magazine together, very much like a collage, uh, which was the artwork I was making at the time, um, uh, works for my type of brain. And how are you finding the reality of this magazine making? Because that's a very beautiful start to, to making. But how, how have you found the, the year since? Um, I love it. Um, honestly, at one point in my life where I was sort of transitioning from a career in the arts to something else, I, <laughs> I was working, this is strange, I was working in a used bookstore in South Carolina on the side of the highway weird with one of those like air guys that like dances you know what I mean <laughs> like I had to cart that thing out <laughs> it's so weird and I would uh, read through self-help books and pick and choose questions to help me figure out what I should do with myself and I, I really ma I made a list of my strengths and the things that I want to do with my time and all of those boxes get checked with making a magazine. I love collaborating with people. Every, I'm an only child, so I think I've always been looking for like cool people to make stuff with me. Um, and I get to do that every day. And I get to meet these really talented people that I know I wouldn't be able to otherwise and feel like I really have a personal connection with them. Um, this is something that editors often talk about, or not even editors, but people making magazines talk about the fact that just by dint of making this thing, you're putting yourself at the heart of a community of people who are already out there and already doing their stuff. Mm -hmm. But you get to, because you take on the hassle and expense and trouble of making a printed magazine, you get to be at the heart of this thing that's going on. Work has always been my favorite way to connect with people. I'm very passionate about making good work, whatever that might be, and having integrity in what you do. And so I'm naturally attracted to the kind of people that I want in my magazine. And I think we get along well. And so tell us a bit about those people. So the, mm. so who are they and how do you go about finding them? Um, I find a lot of people through Instagram. Um, I'll slide into some DMs for finding photographers and artists and models. And I've had a very good response there. Um, also just word of mouth, um, friends of friends connecting me. Um, and I'm really excited about finding really talented people who just haven't been discovered yet. Mm. Um, one photographer in particular that comes to mind is named uh, Cole Witter. Um, I really see him as a rising star and he happens to be a fantastic human being. Mm. Uh, we put together a really great photo shoot for issue three that was all about transcending gender. Um, and honestly, I don't even know how I found him. You know, everything seems so interconnected that it's sometimes hard to trace back how you met, but you're so glad you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm interested in your intention with making this magazine now mm -hmm. because obviously there was a time not very long ago when the main way that people would get porn is in a printed magazine. And obviously that is not the case anymore. Like the, if someone wants porn because they just want to masturbate, mm -hmm. then they're gonna go on the internet. Quick, utilitarian. <laughs> <laughs> so this is sort of part of the origin story where I, like many people, had a naive experience of internet porn where I don't understand totally how these things are being made 
what the the process is like, how people involved feel about it. Um, so I just usually describe this thing where you, you click link and then you go to another link and it's sort of this like situation where you look up bleary eyed like wait wh what weird area of the internet have I found myself in and and these are people and and how, what do they really think about what's happening to them right now and and certainly I want to say that there are a lot of people in the industry of porn who are, are um, autonomous who are making their own decisions in fact are business owners um, but and are happy and are treated well, right? Um, I understand that, but that's not certainly not the case for everyone. And a lot of this work is promoting ideals that I don't believe in and, and isn't showing the kind of thing that I want to see and a lot of other people want to see. Um, so I'm trying to create a magazine where there's that opportunity for discovery that you do have on the internet and I think is appealing to a lot of people, um, but with the understanding that it's a safe space, everyone involved had a say in what was happening, in fact, like creative input in every element um, and that we're you know promoting desires that are often sought but rarely seen in mainstream pornography and mainstream media as a whole mm -hmm. I, I, I think that independent magazine makers often talk about what they're doing in response to the mainstream and very often that's in response to the mainstream print magazines so someone making a travel magazine about traveling coffee might be motivated by the fact that mainstream travel magazines are just like lists of restaurants to go to and stuff. it's very superficial mm -hmm. with your case as you've just described it you have this interesting twist in that you're responding not just to the mainstream but the mainstream internet mm -hmm. and that's something that has happened very very quickly and we're all trying to figure out what that means is there something that you feel about print which is I don't know, somehow safer or more conducive to the kind of atmosphere that you want to create? Certainly. I had this big aha moment not that long ago that I'm freer to do whatever the hell I want in print than I am on the internet. Um, Instagram, Facebook, whatever you name it, um, is censored a lot. And it's hard to reach people with explicit content in those ways. And I realized that and part of why publishing is so exciting to me is that there are a few gatekeepers. I pay for printing and that's it. Mm. And I can really put whatever words or images I want in here and I feel protected by the law. I feel pr protected by a precedent that has been set by, uh, you know, the original big names in American pornography. And in a sense, like, I like the idea of thinking, okay, what if Hugh Hefner was a woman? Would it, like, I kind of want to be, like, the progressive lady Hugh Hefner <laughs> who, like, treats people fairly and is, like, queer. <laughs> so, you know, there's, like, a lot of unexplored territory um, from that time, you know. So there's a little bit of that, you know. So you're able to build on what has gone before. Exactly. But to do things in this new way, which is your own. Yeah. And it's in collaboration with the internet. It's in response sort of against a lot of things that are happening there in the porn sphere. But I'm also collaborating and like inspired by uh, the internet and like Instagram. Mm -hmm. Now, Hugh Hefner had a very clear aim with his magazines he was putting out. He wanted to provide uh, like kind of sexual titillation to make money from it so it's a business and those 
the, I guess without wanting to get too crass, I want to know what you want people to do with this magazine. Do you, <laughs> do you want people to literally use this for their sexual pleasure? Or is this more something that you want to raise broader social issues and celebrate the human body? Like, where, mm-hmm. where do you come down? What do you want people to do with this mag when they take it home? Yeah. <laughs> um, I would love for this to facilitate uh, somebody getting off. Um, I also want it to be used as a tool for opening up conversations. Uh, I've heard some really great stories about couples um, using this to maybe explore something new together, um, where maybe you might feel uncomfortable coming to your partner and saying, I would like to try X, uh, whatever. I'd like to, I would like to play with hot wax. Um, it's maybe a little less scary to come with a, with a magazine and say, hey, let's like look at this together. And a lot of conversations can spur off of that, yeah. can facilitate. Um, you could just pick a page number at random. Tonight we're going to do page right, 32. You know, <laughs> and it doesn't have to feel so scary, maybe. Um, I think what I want to promote with this magazine is if it's not for you, like understand how somebody else might be into it. Mm. So a sense of empathy. Mm. And all of my social agenda or political agenda is really packaged within that. So it's almost like leading by example. Like I have diversity, not as a token thing. It's it's a given, mm. and it's consistent throughout all the time in terms of body types, colors, shapes, sizes, ages. You get, you name it, um, because it just seems like an obvious thing to me. Yeah, yeah. And this feels like it's coming out of a community as well. It feels like this isn't just you. I mean, this is obviously you and your contributors, but then the, your readers, I feel, are probably also people who are within a, a, an established community already. The amazing thing about my readers is that they love this publication so much that a lot of them come to me with an interest in contributing, collaborating, helping in any way that they can because they want to see it continue and they want to see it grow. Mm. And there's that that personal investment and that personal connection that I think is particularly unique to math and I call them mathletes. <laughs> the mathletes. The mathletes. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the so the mathletes then are your contributors and also your readers. There's so much overlap. Yeah, it's amazing. So how do you go about finding new mathletes? Because you have, uh, we, we should talk about the cover a little bit in in relation to this because the the cover is I think really smart. It's very in keeping with the. Um, the concept of the magazine. So maybe you could like describe the cover a little bit for us. Sure. I got a lot of, um, a lot of people were surprised when I decided to do this. Um, the cover of every math magazine is a single shade of red um, with just our logo very simply and um, our uh, issue number. Um, there's no indication that it's X-rated inside and it definitely requires a certain amount of um, curiosity to, to find out what's inside there. Um, so it's deliberately a very plain cover. Yes, um, a lot of people related to uh, I don't know if you have these where um, in uh, magazine shops there's the little piece of plastic that's often put in front of ma- magazines. Right. Um, like <laughs> it bums me out so much, but um, in grocery stores uh, in the United States there are magazines at the checkout and magazines like Vogue or, or Self will have these censorship plastic covers really? because there's a woman in a bathing suit. 
it makes me like it makes my brain want to explode <laughs> it, it makes me so mad um so when something like as banal as a woman in a bathing suit is being censored for being explicit um it's like i'm circumventing that entirely um you know other pornographic magazines will have like big titted women on the cover and they have those like plastic bags around them so it's like why even bother if you're gonna get covered up so i really like this kind of cheeky approach um and it actually is inspired by a very brief moment uh in the history of porn when uh, the publications would sort of mimic sociological studies or uh, like like the lesbian in its natural environment or sex ed publications where it's like fellatio 101 or I don't know like but Is it's it the really 50s, porn. 60s? Um, maybe so maybe a little bit prior um, I've actually had some trouble finding that much information about it um, but I found it and it kind of stuck with me um, so yeah, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty dorky, uh, and so it, it works well for me. But all of this, so that, so I, I really like the the thinking behind it. But it presents a very obvious problem, which is a magazine cover is traditionally supposed to do uh, like a number one job, which is someone's walking past the shelf. The cover needs to make them stop and pick up and take a look. So do you, do you have problems with reaching new readers as a result of that? I don't. Um, in a way, I kind of like it as a litmus test. Um, if someone isn't intrigued enough by our beautifully designed logo and austere cover, then fuck them. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's a great business plan, but I've heard from some shops that uh, it's one of the most touched uh, publications that they have out on display, I think because it's, it's enticing and it's mysterious, mm. and it, it invites you to open it up, and you can't you can't write it off so easily. Um, sometimes I'll see a cover, and I'm like, oh, you know, that's not for me. Um, so, yeah, I think it's okay. <laughs> and then, of course, you have, uh, so you are a print magazine, but you, we are living in the age of the internet, so what do you do online as a way of promoting this print thing? Um, I've been, seeing a great response on Instagram. Um, I might have an Instagram addiction. So <laughs> maybe it's just part of my business plan to like keep fostering that. Um, but you know, it's a, it's a visual format that works well. Um, and it's been a great place to meet new readers and contributors and, and give good credit to the people who, who work with me. Um, that's been a great place. I also uh, frequent a website called FetLife, which is more of a kink community-oriented community space uh, where I try to find people who are excited about being an exhibitionist and uh, having sex in public for a photo shoot. Um, that's a great space for me. Um, yeah, even like Tumblr is a great inspiration and video work that's beautiful. And, and how about your own blog? Because you mentioned right. earlier that you have a blog that's kind of semi-secret. <laughs> yes, um, I've been slow on creating a lot of web content. Um, definitely playing with that um, conceal reveal thing to tempt people into buying the magazine. And it's amazing that considering how little content I've put out there, a lot of people have bought our magazine just on faith and like enthusiasm. Um, but on our website, if you click the uh, boobs calculator, 
five or whatever. Um, and you enter the password. Um, I think right now it's uh, all caps H E X X X. You'll find some exclusive content, uh, including an interview with the model Alex Hex, hence the uh, password, right? Um, where she talks about um, her gender identity and working with us on a photo shoot. And um, it's beautiful, compelling, compelling stuff. And so what can we expect to see next for math? So you've just finished your first year. Yeah. Issue three is out, so including issue zero, that means you are now a bona fide quarterly magazine. Thank you. <laughs> Where do we go from here? Um, next we'll be doing issue four. Um, and I'm working on launching a new website, actually. Um, working on that blog presence. <laughs> and we're gonna have some special offers for the holidays in terms of some special gift packages with our tote bag um, and subscription offer if you wanna gift a subscription to a sexy friend. Um, we'll be putting that out there soon. Cool. Well, um, it is a great pleasure to meet you. Uh, thanks very much for talking to us. Thank you. Okay, that's it. I am back home now, so no longer on a noisy train with things rattling all around me. Um, I have to apologise for the little bit of popping that we got on the microphone in the introduction. Um, I think basically I was trying to hold my recorder too close to my mouth because I didn't want the other passengers on the train to hear me talking to myself about porn. Um, but so I, I'm now back in my living room. Nobody is going to overhear this. So we're, we're safe here. Um, I need to say thank you very much to Mackenzie for speaking to me. Um, I'm really interested in that idea of her feeling more free in print than she does online. Um, and I wonder whether that's something that we're going to see more of as more of the web becomes kind of owned by companies like Facebook. I need to say thank you again to Park Communications for sponsoring this episode. Once again, if you are thinking of starting your own print project, you will need to get your print sorted. So do head over to parkcom.co.uk. That's parkcom.co.uk to see what they can do for you. And I also need to say thanks very much to Alex from Ideas on Paper up in Nottingham. Uh, he was speaking to the students with me today and I was almost back at the train station when I got a phone call telling me that I'd left a load of my magazines up at the university. So Alex jumped on his bicycle and shot down to the train station and I literally grabbed the magazines with like a minute to spare to get on my train. So thank you very much to Alex for that. I really appreciate it. Okay, thanks very much to you for listening. If you like this, you can follow us on SoundCloud or iTunes or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Just search for Stack Magazines. And we'll be back again with another episode next week. Thanks for listening.